Welcome to church today. We're excited, as always, to have you here. Back in 2006, I made a move in my life from from being a, a big city boy to moving to an island. And this island, uh, although it only has 35,000 or so in permanent population, receives about three, three and a half million tourists a year. And a lot of the tourists who come to this island are there for golf. They they're really in the golf. There are 35 golf courses uh, on the island itself. There are more golf courses uh, kind of scattered on the mainland outside of the uh, island. And, you know, I, I had played golf before in my life, but I hadn't really been as into it, and I'd never been around people that were as into the game of golf in my entire life as when I moved to the island. It seemed like these people, a lot of them were retirees. That's what they did professionally. They, they played golf morning, noon, and night. Well, the year was 1997, about 11 years, nine years before I moved there. Uh, and there was a golfer who came on the scene in America that, that caused even the most kind of passive uh, of golf fan to sit up and, and take notice, and his name was Tiger Woods. And in 1997 was his first year as a professional golfer, and he had one of the most incredible first years of any professional athlete in history. He won the, the Masters by an unheard of 12 strokes. He went on to win four of the 15 tournaments on the PGA Tour that first year. He earned $1.8 million in prize money and $60 million that first year in endorsements from Nike and other companies. But he didn't stop there. Right after the Masters happened that first year, he calls up his coach, a man that I would, I would later meet uh, on the island uh, uh, years later. He calls up his coach, and he says, Coach, I want to change my swing. I want to, to change my golf swing. Now, if you don't know anything about golf, you know that that is a very, very big deal. That is a radical shift when you start messing around with your, your swing. Uh, you know, you, you just don't do that normally. Uh, if you start messing around with your swing, it can cause a whole mental thing and, and really mess up your game. But, but Tiger Woods calls up his coach and says, Coach, I want to change my swing. He said his swing wasn't good. He, he wanted to make improvements, and, and he was willing to lay it all on the line. He was willing to, to risk everything in order to improve by changing his swing that he said would allow him to have better control over his shots as he played. And so his coach actually believed that he could do it. He believed it was possible even that far along in his career to change his swing, but he said it wouldn't be easy. It would take time. And so his, his coach worked with him on hitting thousands and thousands and thousands of practice balls, studying videotape, in meticulous detail of his swings, pumping iron to strengthen his, his forearms. And, and while he was reconstructing his swing, he continued to play, and he won only one tournament over the next 19 months. But he persisted. He carried on. And, and one day, it came. One day, he, he woke up and he felt that his swing was, was just right. 
and that he could finally control his shots in the way that he wanted to. And over the next 14 tournaments on the tour, he won 10 of them, 10 of 14, including six in a row, three of the four major championships winning $6 million. And then he signed a $100 million endorsement contract. Now, Tiger Woods went on to have his share of of successes and failures, highs and lows, and certainly life challenges. But a lot of people don't know that about Tiger Woods, that Tiger Woods completely revamped his swing, almost like starting over with a clean sheet of paper after he had already become a household name and, and reached the pinnacle of success in professional golf. Why did he make the change? Why did he mess around with what was obviously already a good thing? Well, the reason, my friends, the reason is that Tiger Woods wanted to be better. He wanted to be better, and he wasn't afraid of changing some things around in order to get better. And the same is true with Jesus. Sometimes things could be going really well. It can can look On the outside looking in, it can look like it's a really good thing. And then it seems like Jesus starts doing something totally different. He messes around with it. And we can scratch our heads and we can ask why. Why is that? Well, the reason is Jesus wants something better. Jesus doesn't want to leave us where we are. That's not how the Christian journey works. The Christian journey, the process of following Jesus is a process of movement. It's always a process of moving forward, not standing still. Jesus, of course, isn't interested in, in winning trophies or endorsements, and it's, it's not that he certainly needs to improve himself, but he is interested in winning people and winning them over to himself. And such an incident erupts out of the fifth chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, which we read from this morning. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then 
Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, let everything, left everything, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. So we meet Jesus here in this story, and the Bible says that, that he is teaching a crowd of people. A lot of people were there. He's teaching a crowd of people, and that they were listening to him. Now, for most of us preachers, that would be enough, right? We got a crowd. Check. And they're actually listening to you. Check. Double check. That's a good thing. It would seem like on this particular day, Jesus has a good thing going. But in the middle of all that, something catches Jesus' attention. It distracts him, if you will. He sees out of the corner of his eye, he sees a couple of boats down by the water's edge. They're, they're, they're two old boats, and, and they're used for fishing. And then Jesus, after, after spying the boats, he spies a couple of fishermen, and, and they're doing what fishermen do. They are washing their nets that they had used to, to go out and fish with. And, and then at that moment, Jesus changes what Jesus is doing. He stops. He goes over to one of the boats, and he talks to one of the fishermen, and he asks the fisherman kind of an odd thing. He says, uh, let me get in your boat and take me out a little further. Take me out to some shallow water just a little ways off of shore. And, and that's what happens. That's what he does. The fisherman's name is Peter, and Peter responds, and Jesus sits down in the boat, and he continues to, to teach the people from the boat. And, and sometimes our lives are like that. Sometimes in our lives we have to reorient things. Uh, one of my mentors in ministry used to tell me, he said, Jamie, understand this, ministry happens in the interruptions. Ministry doesn't usually happen in what you plan, but ministry happens in the interruptions. You have to learn how to live into and lean into the interruptions because that's where it is. It's not in what you planned. It's not in an elegant outline that you, you put together for your day. The ministry is in the interruptions. And and. Even within the interruption sometimes, as we do things that are inconvenient or things that are not really part of the plan, we find ourselves beginning to do things intentionally seeking the interruption. There's a restaurant here in town that I eat at every week. I don't like it. I, I, I can't stand this restaurant. But I go there every week, and I, and I have lunch there at least once a week. Why? Because there's some people there that I'm looking for. Some people there that I go and talk to, there, there are several young servers at this restaurant, and I've developed a relationship with the young servers at this restaurant, and, and they'll come by for in little bits of 30 seconds here and 30 seconds there, and we talk about their lives, and we talk about the Lord, and we talk about faith. Sometimes we have to seek out the, the interruption. And so I believe that there's a very clear reason here why Jesus chooses to go out on this boat and to speak from this boat on this particular day. It's because he wanted to talk to somebody. He wanted to talk to the boat's owner. He wanted to talk to this young man named Peter. 
And this observation leads us to the first point we want to make about Jesus. And the first point we want to make about Jesus is that Jesus isn't just interested in the crowds. Jesus is also interested in the individual. He's not just interested in the the crowds, the multitudes that come, but Jesus is just as interested in the individual. Jesus could relate to the crowds maybe as a classroom teacher. The, The teacher teaches and, and relates to, to their class, but sometimes the teacher has, has a student, and sometimes the teacher has to take off the teacher hat, and sometimes the teacher has to put on the tutor hat in order to provide individualized attention and individualized instruction to the child who needs it. Jesus is not only interested in us as a congregation, Jesus is also delighting in us personally, meeting us each one where we are. And let's make no mistake, we're all in different places in our journey. Jesus doesn't wait for us to get to a certain place, and then at that particular point, Jesus picks up the ministry and and begins to work with us and mold us and and make us into who we're supposed to be. No, Jesus meets us wherever we are, and sometimes that's up on a mountain, and sometimes that is down in a valley, and sometimes that is in a super spiritual place, and sometimes that's in a place where we feel really far from God. Sometimes that's a a place where we're putting our faith into action, and, and we're following Jesus. We're taking up our cross daily, and sometimes it's not. That's where Jesus meets us. He does that in a variety of ways. Sometimes he might do it in a sermon where the minister says something that that directly relates to you. God might do it through someone else who speaks to you. He, He may have done it this week in some time alone with him for prayer and silent meditation. God may have done it when you, when you picked up the Bible and you opened to a verse and you read it and God spoke to you individually. However it is that God may reach you, God wants to reach you personally like he did with Peter. And that is, my friends, an astounding thought. Not a thought this morning I want to just glance over and gloss over as part of one sentence and move on. But it's an astounding thought that the creator of the universe, the great I am, not only knows who we are, but wants to minister to us where we are. An extraordinary thought. And sometimes God will leave the crowds in order to do it. But why? Why did Jesus approach just one person on this day? Why would Jesus change his focus from the group to a single person? After all, doesn't that seem inefficient? If we're looking at the situation and we're applying conventional wisdom to the situation as we and our humanists tend to do, it seems incredibly inefficient. Jesus has the opportunity to teach tons of people in a one-to-many sort of way. But, but Jesus chooses to turn his attention from, from the many to the one, and it seems incredibly inefficient. Why would Jesus change what he was doing when he had a good thing going? Well, that leads us to the second reason why Jesus meets with us. And we learn it from this passage, and it's true It's true always when Jesus focuses on us individually. The truth is, it's because Jesus 
wants to take us from a shallower faith to a deeper faith. Using the water analogy, we started off in in shallow water, but Jesus doesn't want to leave us in the shallow water. If you've ever had a kid and and your kid's been learning how to swim, you start off with that kid in the shallow water. You start off with the water that's about this high, and and they learn to hang on to the side of the pool and, and how to kick, and then they learn how to blow bubbles in the water, and then they learn... the the strokes and that sort of stuff, but the entire intention of that is not to leave them in the shallow water. We don't want to raise up our kids and leave them in the kiddie pool. No, as parents, what we want to do is we want to take our kids from the kiddie pool and we want them to develop the skills and the courage and, and the mindset that they belong in deeper water, that they can handle it. That's what we want for them, and and that's what Jesus wanted for Peter on this day. Peter had been washing the nets, uh, and you can imagine the scene. So you've got Jesus teaching here. You've got you've got a crowd of people here, and just off the scene back here, you've got the water, and you've got a couple of boats, and, and Peter's there. He's washing his nets, and he's got one ear tuned into what Jesus is saying, and and then he's also, with his hands, he's also working and paying attention. For Peter had other responsibilities on this day. He had other duties. He had had the fish to make a living. People were relying on him to to bring in a good catch so that the fish could be sold, and and Peter was working, and Peter was doing his job, and, and, and that's like so many of you. You're working every day. You're getting up. You're putting one foot in front of the other. You're working so hard, and you're trying to do what it is that you think you need to be doing. And so, so Peter, he thinks he can't give up what he's doing and, and just spend the whole day with Jesus. I've got to keep doing my thing. I can't go over here and be a part of this crowd. I can't sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. I have to keep doing my thing. So I'm going to give Jesus half my attention, and I'm going to take the other half of my attention, and I'm going to focus on my thing. But, but Jesus on this day, Jesus was going to do something special. Jesus was going to do something special directly in the middle of Peter's life. And so notice that when Jesus asked Peter to sit in the boat, he asked Peter to put out a little from shore, it says in verse 4. Then, then after he had finished teaching the people, he told Peter to put out into the deep water to go for a catch of fish. After he finished teaching the people, then... He tells Peter, let's go to the deeper water and let's look for some fish. So we have the movement from shallow water into deeper water. It's an analogy of what Peter or what Jesus is going to do in Peter's faith life. Do you see that? You see what's happening here? Starting off with the boat, we're in shallow water and we're finishing up, you know, the, the task at hand, and then immediately Jesus says, let's push out into deeper water. That's what Jesus is going to do for Peter. Jesus is going to move Peter's faith from one place to another faith, uh, another place. And, and you can bet that the responsibility that Peter is about to have is also going to increase because with, as our faith increases, our responsibility in the kingdom also increases. Jesus was going to take Peter from his superficial, his half-hearted, his casual, on-the-perimeter sort of attention, and he's going to turn that into a deeper and a more real and a more personal kind of commitment to Jesus. Now, we see Peter here. Peter's protesting very mildly. Verse 5, he says, Master, we've worked hard all night. We've worked hard all night. In other words, I'm tired. I was up all night doing this. 
But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, if ever there was a mustard seed faith kind of, kind of statement, that's it, right? This isn't an enthusiastic Peter. This isn't a Peter who's believing anything is going to happen. This is somebody who's tired. He's a tired man, and he's going to lay down his feet, only because, uh, his nets, only because Jesus asks him to. But the expectation here is a little low. Oh, well, I'll just give it one more try. But you know what? That's all Jesus needs, isn't it? Jesus doesn't necessarily need us to go enthusiastically skipping up the aisle uh, in order to, to meet Jesus. No, Jesus just sometimes needs us to stick one toe into the deeper water, and Jesus can take it from there. So how does Jesus take us then from where we are to where Jesus wants us to be? Well, the answer is he pushes us. He pushes us. Sometimes it's gently, and, and sometimes it's with words. Sometimes it's with action. Sometimes it's away from, uh, away from one level of stability, uh, which could be symbolized by the shallow water, into a place where we're more dependent on God, which can be symbolized by the deeper water. When you take your kid into the deeper water for the first time, you don't just plunk them in the deeper water, right? You stay pretty close by. You make sure they're not going to sink. You're with them, but you're increasing their confidence over time. They know that you're there to catch them, but you're increasing their confidence. And that's what Jesus is doing here with, with Peter. Sometimes we're like Peter. We, we're not saying we've been up all night fishing and it didn't work, but we can say, you know what, I've tried it. I've gone to church and it didn't get better. I've prayed, and it didn't get better. I've gone out, and I've done good things. I've tried to be a good person, but it didn't get any better. What happens in the deeper water? What's more scary? It's more unstable. It's more unfamiliar, but, but it's where the fish are. It's where the fish are. It's also where, where the greatest blessing is. Fishermen can't catch that many fish from the shore. If you want to be a fisherman and you want to catch some fish, you've got to go out into the deep water and you've got to use nets in order to catch the fish. That's how you catch a lot of fish. Now, likewise, for you and for me today, Jesus wants to take you from the comfortable. Jesus wants to take you from the familiar. Jesus wants to take you from the shoreline, uh, first into the shallow water, and then Jesus wants to, to keep taking you further and further out into the deep water because Jesus knows that's where the blessing is. Jesus knows that your purpose, you were put here to, to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and you can't do that with only one ear open and, and half-heartedly. You got to get in the boat, and you got to push out into deep water. You and I were always concerned about the physical things. We're always concerned about holding on to what we have because it's, it's comfortable for us. But, but Jesus wants you to let go. Jesus wants you to, to, to go out and to take that step in faith and, and to, to not worry so much. So my message for you today is what are you hanging on to? Are you hanging out in the shallow end of the pool? Or do you have the courage to move out into the deep? Because the Bible promises if you'll follow Jesus, 
into the deep water, it's going to change your life. You have a choice. You can do that today. You can do that now. Or you can wait and say, I'm going to do that in 10 years. But, but whenever you do it, whenever you do it, then and only then are you going to get it. Are you going to get what it means to have faith and to follow Jesus Christ? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.